The Pat Kenny Show with Matter Private Network on News Talk. Now, under the current rules governing the number of deputies, uh, two TDs would have to be added to the Doyle every year to keep up with Ireland's population growth. That's according to the Electoral Commission. Now, would that be more cooks to the solution of the broth, that is, the Irish political stew? Well, to discuss, I'm joined by Professor of Politics at Dublin City University, Gary Murphy, and by an independent TD for care, Michael McNamara. Good morning and welcome to you both. Um, Gary, first of all, this uh, conversation is prompted by the Electoral Commission's uh, chief, Art O'Leary, who feels a national debate is required because we can be dripping more and more TDs into the Doyle Chamber uh, every year or every electoral cycle. And maybe that's not the right way to go. Yeah, so I pass. Um, the issue basically comes down to the um, to the Constitution, and an Article um, 26 of the Const- Article 16, excuse me, uh, says we should have one TD to every 20 to 30 thousand um, citizens. And the reality is we're now at probably one to 32. I think only Limerick County is the only uh, current constituency which is um, within the constitutional uh, limits, and so we either pay obedience to the Constitution, or we sort of turn a blind eye to it. And I think the uh, Art O'Leary, the, the, as you said, the, um, the director of the Electoral Commission, which is now tasked with um, trying to figure this out, uh, seems to me to be coming out to say, well, it is time we took mm. our Constitution um, seriously. Now, it, it, I think it's important to remember, uh, this goes back a long time, obviously, to 1937, the, the, the original, the Irish Free State Constitution of 1922 also had uh, term limits, or also had a limit in terms of the the population, so it's um, it's nothing. Uh, it's nothing new. We've had changes to the numbers of TDs over the over the years. I mean, there was a jump between 1977, when there was 148, to 1981, when there was 166. Um, again, based in, on the growing population in the early 1980s. So, um, but yeah, but it, it does give rise to the fact of when is too many TDs uh, too many? Yeah. And uh, I think this is something that is going to face the uh, the electoral commission. I think it's also important to. Say Say Ireland is not hugely out of kilter uh, with states of similar uh, size. So if you take some place like uh, Finland, they have 200 um, MPs uh, for a population a little bit larger than ours, uh, but not hugely. Denmark has 175. Uh, some place like Sweden, with a significantly larger population, certainly has 349. So, I mean, if, if you look at Britain, certainly we're, we're there 656, I think. Um, but large states, you know, generally do have smaller numbers uh, of... Uh, Proportionately, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, but, but we're not hugely out of kilter, even if we went up to, I know, I know the, the Electoral Commission is looking at between 171 and 180 in its, uh, in its report, which has been eagerly waited by, uh, by all of us. But even if you went to the, to, the, to, the, to the top of that, I don't think that would put us out of kilter internationally. Okay. Um, a couple of things. We were at 166. That went actually down. Why did it go it, down? It, it, we're at 160 now, so it went down over the course of the last two elections. And also remember back in 2011, Fine Gael, in a, sort of a, in a reform document they published in advance of that year's general election, talked about reducing the number of TDs still further. Now, they didn't go anywhere near that once they actually got into to power over the course of the last 12 years or so. So there has been debates about reducing the numbers of TDs, and also there was, a, as you know, a very large 
debate about reducing uh, the Shannon when, when we had when, when we had the referendum in 2013 to abolish that, which the voters and their wisdom sought uh, not to do. So, but we've bounced around between about 148 from, as I said, from 1977. That's the lowest in recent years to 166, right. and now we're at 160. So a jump to 180, let's say, would be a, a, you know would be a very significant jump. Okay. Uh, now, now you mentioned uh, that um, we are in breach of the constitution, uh, except in one particular constituency. We are, yeah. What's the penalty for us all? There's no penalty whatsoever. No penalty. So, I mean, so we I, could just I, I, ignore know, the constitution? The constitution. Pr- pretty much. I mean, like, if you take something like I just mentioned, the Shannon, the seventh referendum to the Shannon enacted in 1979. Well, it's never been enacted. It's been passed in, in referendum. Um, there's, a whole, there's a whole raft of uh, constitutional um, articles which are routinely ignored. And I'm afraid this is simply uh, one of them. And I do think it is to the electoral commissioner's credit that he is... Um, he is facing up to, but he is pointing to what is, I think, an important point: whether we want a, uh, whether we want to consider continue yeah. with the rules okay. that we have, and, and then we, we we might need a referendum to change it. But we've had referendums on far more esoteric things than this past, yeah. and uh, I think it's certainly. T- I would agree with Arthur there that it's time to give this a significant look at. Yeah. I, I'm dismayed because I thought Uthran Heron was the guardian of our constitution. And he's well, allo- he has allowed uh, everything except that Limerick constituency to fall in breach of the document he is charged with safeguarding. Well, it's not in his remit to. <laughs> I am to being slightly, no, slightly well, facetious. But no, but I, I know, I know, but it, but it, but it, it's, it's a reasonable point. I mean, as, as we know, the president meets with the uh, with the Taoiseach on, on a regular uh, basis and, and gives his concerns or not, as the case may be. And I think this is something that is is, is important. I mean, I do think there is a kind of an anti-political uh, tinge in, in Irish society, which has developed since probably the uh, since the since the crash. Although maybe the Shannon result would would give the lie uh, to that, but it. It is, I think, something worth considering whether we think we have enough mm. uh, TDs to represent us or not. I mean, and some of those countries I pointed out, Pat, in, uh, earlier on, would have very strong local governments, far stronger than we have here uh, in Ireland. Yeah. And in that context, uh, maybe it's time that we reviewed all uh, yeah. all representatives. I'll come back to you on that point in a moment about the number of councillors we have and how the role of the councillor has changed o- over the years. But also, I suppose we should bear in mind that the most powerful arm of government in the United States States, the Senate, uh, without which nothing can really be passed, has only 100 members. Now, that's flawed too, because small states of two senators, enormous states of two senators, so they need probably to look at that as well. Uh, but anyway, I'll come back to you in a moment on that, because Michael McNamara, I'm sure, wants to uh, tell us uh, that he wants more people as colleagues in Doyle Aaron. Are you, Michael? No, not at all. I mean, I'm, it's the constitutional imperative at the moment. I mean, uh, I suppose it is, uh, it is ultimately up to the people uh, if they want to change that. I mean, I, I don't sense a, a huge rush for a referendum, but I mean, at some point, I suppose, if the doll continues, if the population continues to increase, um, at some point, I suppose, there would be a, a, a fixed number put in the constitution rather than a certain number mm. per uh you know that we have to have a TD for every twenty to thirty thousand uh, citizens, as is currently stated. You could say that the, there shall be a, a doll Aaron comprised of X number of TDs, say one hundred and eighty or something like that, and that there should be uh, e- evenly distributed. Uh, okay, so so the, the idea, if you had say two hundred as a max, 
now, if we had a huge population decline for any reason in, in the future, presumably you could reduce uh, the, the max. But then the job of the Electoral Commission would be to redraw boundaries from time to time to make sure that the representation was proportionate to the population. Yeah, but that's already part of their job. I yeah. mean, obviously they have to they have to try to respect the, the constitutional requirements of twenty to thirty thousand votes. But equally, I mean, within that you couldn't have one TD per twenty thousand votes in one part of the country and one TD per thirty thousand votes in another because you know. We're, we're yeah, but, but does it make any difference? Because, you know, one man or woman as TD, um, you know, if you're representing 20,000 versus 25,000 in terms of your workload, it's probably, so you, have you, the same. You, you know, it's it's more as even Stephen. I mean, you're not probably going to notice that suddenly you have 5,000 more people who are in your constituency. No, I couldn't imagine that it would make any any huge difference whether you represent uh, 20,000 people or 40,000 people. Um, the other side of it is, I mean, you sort of jokingly blame the president, but I mean, it perhaps would be open to a citizen to, to take a case and say, well, look, the Constitution says that I will be... Uh, one of a maximum of 30,000 people represented by a TD and I find myself being one of 40,000 people being represented by a TD and it, it would be open to them to take a case and they may well, yeah. depending on what, how the Supreme Court determined. I mean, there was a case taken recently uh, against the electoral system for the Shannon and it was found to be unlawful and very recently the Attorney General went, <coughs> went in before the Supreme Court and asked them, <coughs> excuse me, asked for more time before they get final orders determining how it would be remedied that uh, the, the government were going to come up with a proposal as to how this would be remedied, that was specifically with regard to the um, to the university panels and the fact that only certain university graduates have a vote, even though uh, there was a referendum which changed that back, I think, in the 1970s. Mm. Now, uh, the Doyle Chamber itself is limited in size. Uh, however, most of the debates that you see reproduced on the 6-1 News or whatever, there's only a handful of people in the chamber. But there are days when there are set pieces, when votes are called uh, and mm. everyone has to have a place. Um, yeah. So would it be like the House of Commons, maybe, where people have to stand at the door, um, you know, for those set pieces that there would not be one for every member of the audience, a chair for every member of the audience uh, most of the time in Doyle Aaron, Or can the place be re-engineered to give everyone a seat? Well, I mean, my understanding is that the um, the um, the Doll Chamber was a, a, a lecture theatre of the RDS, the Royal Dublin Society, um, and was purchased from the RDS by the by the Free State, and it accommodated a lot more people than it does now. So I think it could easily be um, changed to accommodate more people. But I mean, I suppose the House of Commons, I think, fits about 150 or 160 people, and there are about over 600 yeah. uh, MPs. So, but I suppose the other reason that you often see more people in it is because. Um, we have this system in Ireland where you get a time slot that you're going to speak in and that's why everybody goes in with a pre-prepared speech, frequently don't engage with previous speakers, there's no real debate, everybody just goes in with their with the speech that their parliamentary assistant wrote for them and rabbit it off and off they go home again, very happy that they've spoken on the, the, the subject matter without engaging in debate, whereas in the Commons, my understanding is that you it's it's members who are present and indicating, so you have to be present and indicate that you want to speak, which means that you might have to sit there and listen to a couple of people before, before you um, before you contribute yourself, yeah. which makes it probably more likely that you might actually generate a debate as yeah. opposed to... Absolutely. I mean, what we have at the moment is a, a touch of the doughnutting that they do in uh, the American uh, Congress 
be it the House or the Senate, whereby people go in often at odd hours of the day or night. They are donutted by a few colleagues. There's a close-up taken of them making the speech and then it goes to the, the local TV network who are convinced that their man or woman is speaking to the entire House with great passion when, in fact, they're talking to nobody. Yeah, I mean, that does happen and it happens relatively frequently in the Dáil. But, I mean, um, you know, there are various proposals to reform it. I mean, one would be how speaking time is allocated and whether, whether you know, it should be strict every divided up per minute on any topic between the parties in accordance with uh, their respective strengths and then they divvy out that time um, and everybody has a slot and, or whether you actually want to generate a debate on an issue. Maybe it's not important to debate an issue. Arguably it's what the doll was set up to yeah. do but but right. um, arguably it's not what it does. Well yeah maybe it's uh, more than just numbers need reform but uh, a look at the whole place uh, to see how it might uh, work uh, the state's business more effectively. Uh, Michael thank Thank you for that. Um, Gary, listening to, to that, uh, maybe a different way of doing business in the Doyle. We did reform the committee system years ago, but then we saw with the recent uh, Ryan Tuberty um, mm. box office success, um, how they just kept asking the same question again and again, because they needed that little bit of video for their social media. Yes, I, I think having watched that from my sins past, uh, it struck me that uh, one committee would have been better than, than two. A lot of the same ground was being uh, gone over. Uh, some of the TDs asked very sensible questions, but there was a lot of repetition and some simply made uh, made, made statements. I, I, I think there are a couple of issues there which we also might consider. One is the, the size of constituencies. You said to Michael, it would have made much difference representing an extra couple of thousand. But one of the things we need to look at is geography. I mean, you have huge geographical constituencies constituencies like Cork South West mm-hmm. and then you have very small constituencies like where where, 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 where we both are today you know in, in the middle of Dublin So, so what, what you're saying miles. is that it's unrealistic just to take population as a I basis think it is. Yeah I, because I current, you've got context it is, someone yeah. in West Cork for example has to travel the length of the, the, the county which would get you to Dublin in fact in the same amount of time Oh yeah, and, yeah, the, and the, the, as we know, the, the vast majority of the population is is, is living in and within the environs of, of the capital, and then there is constant complaints, maybe valid, um, from many rural TDs and you know people living in, in rural Ireland that they're not being appropriately uh, represented. But I mean, they are. That's a kind of a demographic issue. One of the other issues, of course, as, as you know well from from your many years, uh, you know, covering elections, Pat, is that people get very um, upset when their their county is split up. If you look at places yeah. like like. Leitrim, uh, Roscommon, um, which are forever being tinkered with. So, so there are all sorts of questions there. But, but, but it, it, going back to the, then when we get the person who uh, arrives at Dalair, and of course many of them treat it as a kind of uh, a place they have unfortunately have to go to for a couple of days and then they go back uh, to tend their uh, constituencies waiting for uh, the next election. And uh, I, I think the way we do business, but, but you know, in, in relation to the point you raised with Michael about speaking, I also remember way back in 2011 during the, that campaign, a lot of it was about you know reforming the state because of the economic crash. There was talk about sitting on Fridays that didn't last too long. There was talk about urgent questions again that didn't last uh, too long. Although it still exists in a kind of a, a, yeah. an odd form. Um, so, but I, I do think the the, the electoral commission uh, or and the, and Annie's commission an important point has been uh, raised, which is that we need to take a full, cut a holistic look at how we yeah. elect people, who we elect, and where we elect them uh, from. Well, Gary, to conclude, I'll just give you one. 
on WhatsApp, which I think is probably reflective of what, what most people are saying. Let's worry more about the number of hospital beds per head of population and the number of prison spaces per head of criminal population before we start. Paying more people to sit and moan in the doyle and do nothing of any significance is not what I want. That's from Laura. And there is a point. You can see the way the political debate would go. You know, we want more TDs, but we need more doctors. Well, yeah, but, but if I could just make one point on that, Pat, of course, the politics of health has been ruinous in one way for the country since the, uh, the foundation of the state. People wanting uh, a hospital in their local area, then if there is a hospital, not wanting to get rid of it. And we know, um, you know, all sorts of incarnations of the, the, of the health service, uh, whether it's the HSC or the old health boards, have been sort of plagued by, uh, by politics. And, and you can see why people wouldn't want it. If you look at Roscommon, where someone like Dennis Nocton left, Fianna Gael, and went as an independent because of, you know, Roscommon Hospital with someone like Tom Fox elected. We've had a whole host of hospital candidates elected uh, over the years. If there's one issue that uh, has sort of plagued, in my view, sort of Irish politics, it, it has been the politics of, of health and that's not going to uh, go away, as we saw with the warnings uh, from Pascal Donoghue last week about uh, overspends in the uh, mm. in the health service. I, so I do take completely the point about you know more doctors, more nurses. Uh, I don't think it's not it's not that the government isn't aware of that, but uh, yeah, I mean health health politics has been um, you know so controversial since the foundation. Mm. They say it's not going to change no matter what way we we elect our doll. Professor Gary Murphy, Professor of Politics at Dublin City University. Thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.